I'm going to introduce our next guest, which is really someone that I don't know how to best describe him because one of his posts on LinkedIn got my attention and it was on the topic of getting an MBA or joining or starting a startup. And I'm like, wait a minute. Now he's someone I want to have on. So Palash, I want to welcome you to the Unpolished MBA podcast. Thanks, Monique. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for coming. I want to take it back to that whole post that even got my attention, which was when you were talking about how one of the most terrible pieces of advice that you see floating around for young professionals is the advice that says, do a startup instead of an MBA. So <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, regardless yeah. of what they say in TechCrunch, here's yeah. my perspective. <laughs> so I want you to share your perspective with the audience. Absolutely, Monique. And and yeah, there's a lot of nuance behind that argument that I think the LinkedIn post could not cover. So I can give you a background, but just to wind uh, a little behind that post, right? I was talking to someone and they connected with me to ask about my MBA experience to a common friend and we got talking and then they were like, okay, I'm considering doing an MBA. The other option is I could also do a startup. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know that was a thing, that those two <laughs> things can be mutually exclusive or something that you can compare. So my point was that those two things are not compatible. Firstly, like startups are pretty hard and very hard to get good outcome. You know, numerically, it's still a pretty risky bet. And so if your heart is not fully into a startup, right, if you are even considering an alternative and And I don't think MBA is an alternative, but if you are even considering it, it means you should go do an MBA. Like it's not comparable. And a lot of people, especially on Twitter, you would, you would see a lot of people saying, oh, why are you doing an MBA? Just go and do a startup. You'll learn more. No, that's not true because both are not comparable and you need a different kind of mental makeup, a life stage to actually be an entrepreneur. And so if that thought even occurs to you, or if that thing on, on Twitter influencing you, then you should probably not do the startup. Yeah, those two things are not comparable. <laughs> I think it's apples and oranges, honestly. I know they are. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about you and your journey, because I'm pretty sure your own experiences are what help you shape that opinion, right? And so yes. tell me a little bit uh, about like your background, did, what you did for undergrad, MBA, yes. whatever. Can we start there? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'm an engineer by training. I did electrical and computer science in undergrad. So that was like, I graduated in 2012 out of the IITs. And then I worked in manufacturing for three years. So it was tech job, but a different kind of tech, right? I was with machines and things like that. So I did that for three years. And then there I realized that so it was a CPG company, right? Like PNG um, or Unilever, right? So I realized that manufacturing is, I could do whatever I want to in manufacturing, but it's not going to make a difference in the company's trajectory because it's really driven by marketing, right? CPG is driven by that. So I was fascinated by marketing. I wanted to learn about it and I didn't get exposure to it before as an engineer. So I joined an ad tech firm after that out of India. I worked there in many different functions, right? from strategy and operations, account management, product management for the last two years. And I got to learn the whole gamut of MarTech and AdTech and how technology actually impacts marketing, which was pretty fascinating to me at that point. It's not something that's apparent to a layperson who is not in in software and how much software impacts marketing. Yeah. So 
from there on, my fascination with MarTech started. But my sort of fascination with entrepreneurship started even before that. So I, like I remember my first like true venture was when I was in like sixth grade, probably. And, and at that time, like video games had just come in into India and I got a secondhand video game somehow got my hands on it and it became an object of fascination in my neighborhood. So I would charge people like a cent to play that video game for 15 minutes. And that was like my first brush with entrepreneurship, but I always wanted to do something of my own. So when I was like middle in the middle of changing those jobs, I, I tried my hand at another startup for seven, eight months, which was some kind of like a CRM for small businesses in India. And that didn't work out. Uh, so I had these like little rushes with starting up and entrepreneurship before and come like 29, 2018, I was like ready to go. And I thought, okay, now I think that there's the time is to jump in and working at my last company, I also realized that to build like a truly game-changing software business, which is what I was interested in, you will have to be in market in the US, right? Because that's where all the innovation is happening. So I talked to our CEO of my last company and he was an HBS grad. So he said, although it's not obvious that you should go and do an MBA, but what this will give you is a exposure to a broad variety of people, which are hard to, you know, which you don't get in your workplace. You kind of talk yeah. to similar people with sort of similar backgrounds, right? So that will give you, that will like put so much information into your brain and so much different perspectives that it will really change your life. And also you'll get time to explore new ideas without being wet to a particular industry and things like that. So on his suggestion is when I decided to apply for an MBA and came in, but I always like came in, even coming in, even my essays in for HBS said that I wanted to start up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that was always part of your intention. That's interesting. When I did start my MBA, actually entrepreneurship wasn't even like, or startups wasn't even on my radar. It transformed into that, just like what you said from meeting so many people in so many industries and just seeing the opportunities that could be really embarked upon if I wanted to, right? I just, the, the world was opened up to me. Yeah. So for those who don't really know, when we're saying HBS, we're talking about Harvard Business School, you guys. So Sorry. he actually did go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't want to make that assumption. Everyone knows that. Let me ask you, but with your first startup, you say, well, that one didn't make it. Do you care to give... Uh, maybe one or two reasons why you think that first startup you didn't make it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Monique. So I think what I did wrong there was actually something that I learned a lot in MBA <laughs> is to start with the market, right? Like evaluate yeah. the market first and see if it's big enough, if it has that need. And the problem itself is secondary. The market is primary. And we made that mistake. I assumed the problem is primary there and didn't look at the market. And when we went into the market, we realized that even though the problem exists, people, it's not acute enough for those small business owners to to pay, like to make them pay for it. So they don't, they would not pay for software. They'll be happy with what we were providing them and using our product, but um, would not want to pay for it. And then we realized it was not that deep of a problem for them. And so that was one. We had the sort of option to pivot. And because I was at that time a bachelor and, and I had no liabilities, I could have continued. But during that process, I learned that I need to learn the fundamentals. So, so some of the things that we take for granted today, like 
having an MVP, uh, not wasting money on marketing upfront, right? Trying to find yeah. product market yeah. fit. All of those things were something that I, I didn't know at that time. And I realized my, in my journey that it's probably a bit too much to like fail a lot and learn all of that. I could instead work at a, at a startup for learn that and then come back again. Yep. Wow. That's, you know what, it's so, I just have to applaud you for realizing that with that startup in that short amount of time, because you wouldn't believe how many people, especially now as I'm in consulting and business acquisitions, how many folks that are startup founders where this is not their first rodeo per se, but all the other ones have, you know, have failed and they still don't realize that's why it's failed. And so they're doing the same thing again. They're like, I got this great idea. And this is what I think the market yeah. versus, and I'm like, dude, we've been through that. You've been through this like three or four times already, and you're still doing it the same way. So I applaud you for getting that the first time, right? That's incredible. And bringing it up because it's not right. intuitive, right? It's not intuitive to work that way, especially as engineers. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not intuitive. I was, I focused a lot on like the engineering aspects and things like that, but I didn't really take like a market first approach. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I realized that one year into the venture. Thank goodness. Because now you have your current startup, which you're a co founder. You're a co founder. So you have a partner with this one, huh? Yeah. So it's, we had three co founders actually. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this one is Goldcast. That's the name yes. of it. Okay, so yes. explain what it is and then tell me how you got three co-founders. Yeah, Monique. So Goldcast is a digital events platform for B2B marketers. So we basically build products for event marketing for B2B companies, primarily tech companies, um, who rely on events for their pipeline generation and building a brand and audience. So, and you would see that this is also connected to MarTech, right? Which is where I sort of grew before MBA. And so that's what Goldcast is. We started in summers of 2020, say May of 2020. And my two co-founders were also my batchmates um, at Harvard. So that's, oh. and yes. So that's where we met and came up with the idea and started. Let's take a moment to thank our biggest sponsor of this podcast, TPM Focus a strategy and execution consulting firm focused on generating revenue and finding product market fit for startups and small to medium-sized companies that are launching a new innovation or entering a new market. In a nutshell, if you're launching a new innovation or into a new market, we'll align your technology, marketing, sales, and customer success with your financial goals to ensure your company makes money while finding and solidifying your place in the market. Head over to tpmfocus.com to see testimonials and reach out if you'd like to work with us. Wow. So you know what? Here's the thing. When you just mentioned when you started, I was like, wait, that's when here in the U.S., the pandemic, we first shut down. Yes. <laughs> Yep. Why in the world? Like, would you start like, right? I'm thinking, how did you even start a business then? It was smart because events wasn't really happening then. But yes, why? <laughs> yeah, great question, Monique. So there are multiple levels of answer to this. So one was that I was really, at that time, I was really itching to go in. And I 
when we were, so before we got into this like digital events concept, we were working in events, but more on the back end side, trying to figure out like a CRM for events, right? Helping marketers kind of get more insights from events and things like that. And, and from there, we came onto this idea. And at that time, I felt like this is an opportunity which will not come again. So I could have sort of waited for the pandemic to go and completed the business school and, and kind of taken the safe route. But I realized that this opportunity will not come back and I had to take it. I was itching to get in. So I decided to do that. There were lots of hurdles at that time that could have convinced me otherwise with, with immigration and, and having a pretty significant loan on my head. So all of those things were things that were considerations. But I think the opportunity was was pretty hard to ignore. Oh, absolutely. You know what? So these kind of questions are coming up often right now with, especially in my business acquisition company, is like some companies did really well during the pandemic because of the circumstances, right? But how are post-pandemic circumstances? And so that's what I want to ask you. Some of the companies that I know did not, not exactly what you're doing, but did different things in the event space. They're like, okay, like business has slowed down and we're trying to figure things out. How are things for you all? Yeah, great question, Monique. This is something that we think about all the time. So the short answer is that having a focus did help a lot. So we, because we were focused on B2B marketers, right? For them, events are different or the why behind the events is different from what it is for the trade shows or conferences run by associations, right? Where they're trying to bring in a lot of industry participants as sponsors or attendees and have them mix and mingle. So for B2B marketers, it's all about lead gen and reach and an ROI and ultimately generating pipeline and revenue for their company, right? So for them, digital actually makes sense because it gives them a huge reach, helps them engage their customers, kind of tell their brand story to them with an investment that's a fraction of what you would do in an in-person event. So we haven't seen the kind of tailwinds that a lot or the headwinds that a lot of other pandemic companies did. The second thing that's helping us is the upcoming downturn. So a lot of in-person events are getting canceled because marketing teams are under pressure to cut budgets and improve ROI. And so that creates another sort of tailwind for us where we come in as a pretty great alternative, which can help them increase their reach, give them all the data that they cannot get in an in-person event while helping them meet their goals. So <laughs> it's uh, been fortunately good. <laughs> wow. So that's, you know what, that, that's actually brilliant because when you first said, well, we you positioned yourself, you had the correct positioning, right? At the, from the beginning, yeah. that you were targeting B2B and how they already do business. Yeah. And okay. And so you already had in mind what they needed versus just capturing the opportunity of a pandemic, which a lot of companies did. No, you had the proper foundation and positioning from the beginning. That's brilliant. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's brilliant. So, so, so far you've been at this, well, but what, about a year and a half or so? Yeah, two years, three months, yeah. So are you guys, have you raised money? Are you bootstrapping? Uh, How does that stand? <laughs> yeah, Monique, so no, we are a fully venture-backed company. We are on the treadmill. So <laughs> okay, uh, okay. we have raised around 40 million so far. That is fantastic. 
Thank you. I think, yeah, that's well, the thing is, you've done some things right from the beginning. So it wasn't just this kind of spark up during the pandemic and slow down afterwards. So, yeah, I really respect the the work that you put in from the beginning, which, I mean, that says a lot about the team in place. So the folks that you're on the team with, you guys yes. were in MBA school together, but yes. did you all have the same kind of background, engineering? Sort of, yes. We All three of us are engineers by training, but only one of our co-founders was the CTO. He was also an engineer, like a software engineer after. So he was in the MS MBA, like combined program at Harvard. So he is the CTO. And then my third co-founder, Kishore, he's the CMO and he was at BCG. So although he was trained as an engineer, he joined consulting and did a bunch of like marketing and sales related projects there. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, it sounds like it's a right mix of skill sets that's necessary to take something from the ground up. Thank you. I'm wondering if, so here's a question that comes up so often. Do you think yeah. that you all having HBS on your resume helped you raise money, get meetings and yeah. be in the right network? Did it make fundraising easier for you? It's hard. I get it. But yeah. did it make it easier for you? It it definitely did, Monique. And I can, like, some of that is also unique to our circumstances. So we at least Kishore and I, like two of us, we, this was our first time in the U.S., right? So we, I came in, like I landed in the U.S. for the first time for business school. And so was Kishore. So we didn't have the kind of things on our resume that a VC could say and yeah. look at and say, okay, these guys are legit. So HBS helped a lot with just making that ice, right? And help giving them some comfort that, okay, these guys are probably something we can invest 15 20 minutes having a first call with so that helped but the bigger help where we the bigger help for that we got from mba was in recruiting because if like the early 40 50 employees would always join because of the founders that's the truth that's of right. yeah every startup and then us having this background again gave them something relatable right something that has some respect and then they could say okay i can get behind these people versus if i just come in as is from india probably would not have been true and recruiting would have been harder wow yeah, because I mean, now that you bring that up, you're right. You've only been in the U.S. for a, a short amount of time, really. What, like yes. four years or three so years. now? Three years. Three yeah, years. Three years. Yeah. So I can imagine that would make things harder for you to kind of break through. But I mean, but that goes to show you, though, too, how an association and even being able to get into Harvard Business School, like it also says a lot about those who get in there. You, it wasn't like your family wrote a check and got a building named after them. And so they let you in. <laughs> you actually had to have a little bit, you had to know something about something to get in. So, so yeah, I appreciate you being transparent about that because that that's one of those things that people wonder. And, you know, you and I are both engineers and we both agree that we did not learn marketing and branding and all of that stuff in our education, engineering education and earlier in our careers about how important that was. But I mean, when you have a brand or associated with a brand that is respected and revered, it does make things easier to, to have conversations, get through the door and at least get that, that flywheel going. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But 40 million is not a small amount of money. So 
<laughs> so, so that's nothing to scoff at. And so were you able to get some of the bigger investors or was it more smaller ones that do are associated with your school or something of that nature? Yeah, a good question, Monique. So our first couple, like the first round that got us started, that was a 1.5 mil round. That was through the HBS network. And so both of those funds were pre-seed funds and well-known in that like early, super early stage. And yeah, so that got us started. And then thereafter, I think, um, obviously we had some numbers, a product and things to show on. So th those mattered a lot more in the subsequent ones. Yeah. Like what I know from my networks of venture capitalists is like Harvard, it, they have money in lots of these funds. Like everyone has money in, in these venture yeah. funds. So, yeah. <laughs> so it makes sense. It makes sense. So what's next for you? What are you seeing as far as the future is gold, of Goldcast? Yeah, money. Good, good question. So I'm pretty jazzed about the space and very bullish on the space because this, like the space of events and especially events as a marketing channel has, has changed in obvious ways where there's a digital component now that wasn't there before. That's the obvious, but what is not obvious to everyone is that how it impacts events as a marketing channel. It's become more than earlier. It used to be like one off thing that would happen once a year. You'll have no idea what ROI was from that. Now it's become a more of an evergreen kind of activity. And it's become sort of a medium for companies to build an audience with. So, and that has a lot of implications on how events are done in companies and how it impacts marketing and things like that. So we, the good thing is we understand that having been working with event marketers for more than two years now, we understand that very intimately. And we think we have the opportunity to build something that will sustain for decades. So it's obviously still early days. I would say we are still not, and we still have a lot to figure out and a lot to build, but I'm here for at least the next five to 10 years and put up the best of my fight to, to see That's this through. Good. That's good to hear. How big is your team now? We have 85 people. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> You have ramped up in such a short amount of time. You all need to definitely be very proud of yourselves. So, you. yeah, I certainly applaud you. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to share with the Unpolished MBA podcast. So if they'd like to get in touch with you or learn more about your company, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely, Monique. So my the best way to chat with me is on LinkedIn. I accept all requests. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So yeah, any you can anyone can drop me a message, add me on LinkedIn. And to know about Goldcast, we are at goldcast.io. That's G-O-L-D-C-A-S-T dot I-O. So check it out and let me know if if anyone has any feedback on the website or on the business. <laughs> Absolutely. And so everyone, I'm going to put links to both his LinkedIn and to the company into the show notes. And so you guys give them, check them out. And this is especially good for B2B marketers that need to have ROI on their events. So Palash, I want to thank you so much again. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Monique. Thanks for having me. This was super fun. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com.